Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. you are now listening to the P13 Podcast. Hey listeners, welcome back to the P13 Podcast. This is your co-host, Michael Calla. We're talking with Lucas Aaron, uh, just continuing on our conversation. This is part two of our talk with Range of Strength himself, Lucas Aaron. People will kind of ask questions about, you know, the the element of body composition. So a lot of people that we work with, and I mean, just generally, they want to achieve a certain body composition, right? That's like the majority of people that we work with, um, there's are either not happy with their current body image, mm-hmm. um, or they just, you know, they, or they're just influenced by Instagram and like people that have six packs and stuff like that. So that period of time that you, I'm curious, that period of time that you let go of that barbell training, did you see what, what happened with your body composition during that period of time? Did it get better? Did it, did it stay the same? You know, that's kind of like along the lines of losing gains. Like, did you lose gains? Um, like what happened physically during that period of time? Well, I was doing the gymnastic strength work. So that was, uh, definitely keeping gains if anything. And, uh, I was already had pursued body composition before I went hard with it. So I had, I went down from a hundred and I was around 110 kilos down to 85 kilos. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cala, can huh. you convert that to American? I cannot right off the top of my head. No, I, I can do it while we're what are you two? I'm just kidding. Two, I, was, I was like 240, 245, and down to 180, 185, which is what I'm about right now, too. Oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. fluctuated. I haven't fluctuated much from that 185, 190 weight in like eight years. Um, so I did have a body composition transformation before going like crazy hard on my goals. So, yeah, that's I think an important thing for people to realize, too, is sometimes. You got to do, you got to take the steps necessary to get there. You don't just attack the thing you want, right? Mm-hmm. It's like basically you're skipping steps. It's like, just be honest with yourself. If you have 50 pounds to lose, lose 50 pounds and, yeah. and exercise and exercise well, yeah. create that habit. And that's, let's start thinking about pursuing these big goals. You can develop a high level of flexibility while having a body composition transformation Mm-hmm. But if we start navigating high, high intensities of any kind of exercise, it, you know, if we haven't developed certain strengths or if we do need some weight to shed, like, you know, that might not be as smart as a goal as like, mm-hmm. let's cut this weight down, get ourselves to a decent body composition. And often if people focus on those one, those littler milestones too, it's like, if you're focusing on your body composition, your cardio gets better, your strength gets better because you're losing weight. As you're yeah. like losing weight, your flexibility gets better because you can actually navigate around your body a bit better. Like, yep. so yeah, I think it's, you know, sometimes thinking a little too far ahead. It's like, yeah. I want to do splits. Like, yeah, but you need to drop 50 pounds. Yeah. So we're going to focus on that first. And that's like just being honest, right? It's just like, we're going to focus on this weight loss and we will stretch and your flexibility will improve because of that. And, you know, um, so I don't even know if that's necessarily my, what my thought process was when I had that transformation, but I knew that I had to get in better shape. I was like, I have to have better body composition if I want to start moving better because 
cardio felt like crap like you know trying to like, yeah. do any kind of conditioning there exactly just like yeah fuck is going on <laughs> yeah so i think be honest with yourself and if that's step one just know that there's a waterfall effect there and mm-hmm. you don't have to stress about like well i gotta do gotta get this strong and i gotta do this much cardio just lose weight man just lose the weight first and that stuff will get better yeah and to take that the other way then you know flex like your average gym bro that likes to lift weights Mm -hmm. and already has a decent body composition flexibility is not going to you know make you uh i don't know flaccid (laughs) 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 but it's not going to make you like just just become a wet noodle right yeah it's kind of it's kind of more neutral i suppose well that's just the word flexibility right it's just got a bad rap because people just associate it with like relaxed positions and really passive ranges and mm-hmm. flexibility hold it for a minute hold it yeah for... yeah cool down stuff but like flexibility training it's its, a, its own discipline of strength uh and flexibility combined and you can get quite a workout in and i've, I've developed these protocols with uh people that have that mindset um, where, yeah, you gotta like actually work for this. Like this isn't going to be just like some basic ass stretching, like actually create some conditioning to stretch. And that's actually the, you know, the thought process nowadays is that you need to actually condition yourself to be able to stretch really well too. And that's why some people just can't even stretch. You you haven't even conditioned your knee flexion. Well, you can't even bend your knee. So how can you expect to stretch that, you know, properly? Yeah. And I would say that's definitely, uh, one thing that I've experienced and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still relatively new into the flexibility game. It's been about a year that I've been really kind of focusing on it. Flirting with it. Um, flirting with it. Yeah. <laughs> dabbling. Um, I love flirting with it. It's fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I notice my uh, like you mentioned the flexibility conditioning Hmm. my ability to get into a stretch and find the stretch and uh and then hold the stretch without having to squirm around Mm -hmm. like that's been a night and day night and day change the other thing that i've started to develop is a little bit of cold mobility or flexibility yeah which i think is kind of a magical thing so one of the things we're doing at p13 right now is this six week phase of training that we're that we're in um the flexibility focus is improving our pike and so like in the middle of class i'll be like here's what you're going to pike into and like i notice that when i do it now people are like holy shit," you know or like some people are like (laughs) there's like a new person in class and like one of our members is like don't worry you don't have like (laughs) he's super flexible like you're not going to go you know but um so i'm starting to realize like oh wow like i am developing this really good flexibility and then too with people that are just getting into it you know they talk about like it feels painful you know and and so having to have those conversations of like under like helping them understand is it really pain or is it the sensation that you're just not you've never experienced yeah yeah for sure so it was funny from from our previous podcast with jeff it was the he made the statement where it's do you oh. know how your t-shirt feels on you? You said people don't know how their <laughs> shirt feels on their bodies. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. Which yeah. is, yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting point. And, you know, um, I think that's the other thing, too, that flexibility has really 
helped me with is having better body awareness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because you get into these stretches and you're, if they're a stat, if it's a static stretch, you're holding the stretch, but you're not being passive, right? You're trying to, you know, if it's a pancake, you're trying to continue to tilt your pelvis in a certain way. Um, and yeah, the stretch just goes deeper and deeper. It, it comes down to just being educated uh, about what what's happening in a stretch. It's like the first time, I like to think of it as like the first time you think about you putting a barbell on your back without any education. And often that's the case for young kids chasing strength. You go into the gym, mm -hmm. they're just like, I want to squat. You just like throw a barbell on their back and wait. Yeah. Just like, holy crap. Like <laughs> as you get older, you think about that and you, you reflect on you probably done that. I've done that. And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That felt like complete shit. And I didn't want to do it again, but I just kept doing it again. Cause I wanted to get strong. Mm -hmm. And throughout that, you educate yourself on how to do that. It's like, okay, I really need to understand this isn't working. Just reaching for my toes isn't working. Like I need to educate myself on what has to happen in a stretch. How long do I have to hold it for? Do like, how do I contract? How do I breathe? Um, you know, like those are the kind of things we need to educate, uh, the users on. And once you're educated, pain goes away because you know what to expect next. And you're actually, you set that marker in your mind, like, okay, it's 60 seconds of this and 60 seconds of that and a five second contraction and four breaths in, and you just get better and better at understanding and educating yourself on the stretch. And it's the exact same as wanting to learn how to do a muscle up. It's the exact same as wanting to learn how to do anything that's uncomfortable and that your body just doesn't want to do. Your, your body doesn't, like our bodies are meant to be in recovery, fight or flight, right? We just want to be yeah. like safe. We yeah. don't want to go do that weird shit. <laughs> you know, we have to go start learning how to, you know, understand how to do those things. And if we really want to put ourselves outside of that comfort zone, we have to educate ourselves and people just aren't spending the time educating themselves on how to get flexible. And there aren't enough coaches that want to, or are desired, like they don't desire actually going and figuring that out for their clients and themselves for themselves too, because right. I'm not going to show you how to squat or stretch if I can't demonstrate it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what it comes down to. It's like, well, you know what guys, we're going to wrap bands around our throats and pull really hard instead of stretching our neck because <laughs> I, I just don't know how to do that. Uh, so, you know, so it just comes yeah. down to this, like circle of weird drills all the time that just is just a, an avoidance technique that you just you gotta stretch you gotta educate yourself on the stretch and everything's just you know comes together were you an athlete as yourself growing up as well too yep on your end and there's not a yeah there's not a lot of education in like in early stages to get to some of the points that we need to for the body and mm -hmm. our later stages. And we all just end up getting fucked up down the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's always been like a bother for me. Cause it's always, cause I really, one of the things that uh, I've always wanted to do at some point down the road is like transfer this is, is have more institutions set up so that athletes or not even just athletes, like uh, the regular students or things like that, where they can, be educated properly uh, later down the road. We're doing this in all these other subjects. Why is physical fitness not one of these subjects that helps you? Mm -hmm. Or that can't be taken, I guess, well, I don't know about as seriously is the best way to put it, but like in in that sense, being added to your life down the road as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there just has to be better leadership at the end of the day when it comes down to those things. Like you think back to like 
those old clips from like the Kennedy era where the physical education program was just like crazy. Kids were, you know, doing obstacle Fucking courses, shredded, learning to just get strong and learning to yeah. be yeah. strong in their bodies. Right. And to be capable of doing moves and, and moving themselves and understanding, you know, how to be disoriented and recover. Um, yeah. And like, even in a military setting, like spent 10 years in the military, it's not even being taught and that's where it's even more important. It's like, yeah, you know, we, we got to have a little bit more leadership into what we think we should be, you know, conducting, um, in fitness itself, even just not flexibility, but fitness in general and strength and yeah. So where do you think fitness kind of lost its way or, or why did it lose its way in terms of where it is now? Um, any insight into that or thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it was like the the machine era in the eighties. Like machines started coming in the gyms, and you, you think you, you know, reflect back on the history of it. And James talks a lot, a lot about this as well because he was like, you know, going through all that era, and he talks about when the machines came in, and you know, like everyone just stopped trying to move their bodies and just started adapting to machines, and everything was easy and. I mean, that's the world we live in now. It's always about like the easier option. What's the easiest option? There's always an easier option. Instant gratification for everything that you do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, everything got lost until probably around CrossFit hit the hit the right. waters yeah. and mm -hmm. yeah. you know and started presenting itself with something for people to work towards because I think everyone got lost in what they were working towards. It's like you're working to just be healthy, just be healthy, and that is important. Just be healthy. Of course, like don't you know? Like at the end of the day, we're all doing this because we want to live long and well and uh, be strong in, in that endeavor. And but it got lost on machines because then you're just kind of like, <laughs> I'm not yeah. really, I'm not really working towards anything exciting here, right? I'm just kind of going in, and just doing that tricep thing where you put your <laughs> elbows and it's got the two handles. <laughs> yeah, that one always was yeah. stupid. That one, and then the remember the sit-up machine where people would just end up just pulling down all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many funny machines. And I, I think yeah, CrossFit. What CrossFit did well is they brought in gamification, right? Yeah. Now it's like there was Definitely. like a there was some competitive nature to fitness that didn't have to be at too high of a level. I mean, some of it is for sure. Um, it's got you know bastardized pretty badly over time but right um you know that motivation or inspiration to like work towards something and i think that if anything that boom in what crossfit had done in that era helped me realize what we need to do with flexibility as well too in my journey is that we need to present like targets and things to work towards because mm -hmm. that was always that's why no one does flexibility is like why the hell am i doing that like yeah and if i am doing it what am i working towards how do i know if i'm getting better and the measurement is always something extreme like the splits but like as you know with like you know the mentoring we've done together it's the in-between stuff can you yeah. get your palms the floor on a pike can you get your knee flush to the wall on a couch stretchers other targets and there's ways to work towards those like so i think there's even some gamification that can be had with inflexibility that allow people to work towards certain targets, measure their success a bit better rather than just feeling like they're just stretching and they don't really know how to measure that. That's the number one thing right now I'll tell you that people ask me and they message me about is they just don't know how to measure their progress. I'm stretching every day and I'm reaching, I'm like stretching to my limit every day. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm forcing it. I feel like shit and it's not working. I don't know what I'm working towards. I'm told him I'm going to get more flexible doing this. It's like, okay, let's yeah. pump the brake. Let's pump the brakes. <laughs> yeah. So. so that's another good question too, in terms of, um, in terms of intensity and frequency and, and things like that. And this is a question we asked Jeff and, you know, I know different practitioners have different insight into this in your experience what's like a good frequency and amount of intensity for people to get started with and like what's sustainable long term start with uh you know three to four really well-developed sessions once a week um and build a habit and build some consistency like number one most people just haven't done that um yeah there has to be some structure to what they're doing. Like if they are of the mindset they've been stretching every day, they haven't actually had a routine built that allows them to navigate what it is that they should stretch each day and to what degree of intensity the session should lead to um, and like what muscle groups and how you need to separate that. So it is cool in that you could take an expression of range like a back bridge and you could build a session around that. It doesn't have just because you're training. Uh, or just because it's a, a back bridge is the movement doesn't mean we have to do a back bridge, but we know we can have capacities of trunk extension in there and, and trunk flexion, and we can work the shoulders and the lats, the hips, everything that encompasses a back bridge. And you can actually structure a workout around that, that leads someone towards certain milestones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like for me, that's where it was like, things took off. I started doing like front split workouts, but I didn't really do a front split in the whole workout. And I was like, oh. This is different, but I know I'm working towards an outcome. So I think that's a a better way to measure success is to, you know, separate your flexibility sessions into three or four sessions a week that are specific around a target, be it a, you know, front split, you know, side split adductor work, like that kind of thing. And then just establish, you know, the workout within that and the the types of exercises that you're going to use to measure the success of the work as you progress down the line. So um, I think that would be the best place to start. Like each of those big, uh, workouts, like that train the, the big parts of the body just need to be hit once a week to make progress Yeah, just at the right intensity with the right recovery. There has to be recovery. Right. So now we're, we're talking about changing, uh, things at like a connective tissue level. It's not going to happen yep. overnight. Right. Yep. So we need consistency. You need to do the workout and you need to do it for like three months before you even measure if it's like. you know, moving you towards those goals or in that direction. But yeah. And have you seen, or maybe you experienced this yourself when you were first getting into it, but is there, can a regression occur if people go way too hard? Can they get less flexible Mm -hmm. if they're doing like that, hitting it hard every day? Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Your body, um, will just, uh, go into defense mode. So everything seizes up and it doesn't want to go out into these ranges now because it's not recovering. It's not getting what it, what it needs. So that has to be, it's not to say that you can't have periods of time when you push the envelope on things. Cause I've done that with side splits. Like I've had mm-hmm. periods of time where I went like three, four times a week hard on side split. Um, but I made that priority around my training. So I really like cut back on everything else and the priority yeah. was on those workouts and those workouts all varied in intensity. So it was a lighter day, higher intensity day. Um, so yeah, it's your body definitely will reject 
going too hard in flexibility and the reverse effect will happen just like the reverse effect in strength training if you go yeah you're strength strength training at a high intensity too long nervous system's not recovering um given the time it needs to recover it's going to reject what it is you're doing and your gains go the opposite direction yeah and i actually had a conversation with jeff about this recently because i did a uh it was actually just like a week ago i did a pretty intense and kind of pushed it on a uh i don't it wasn't necessarily a side split session but had a lot of lateral hip movement involved and like you know, finished with a three minute standing pancake and really kind of pushed it on that. The next day I tried to squat and it felt like shit. Yeah. It was not, it was not good. I felt super <laughs> no. fucking tight. And so I messaged Jeff and just, you know, was like, Hey, is this like something that you commonly see? And he's like, totally like there can be a short term range regression from like a really hard flexibility session. Yeah. And I, I like, I had like doms in like weird places that I've never had before. Mm -hmm. And it took me probably like three to four days to fully recover from that session. Yep. Um, so you mentioned uh, something that I, I want to touch on. You mentioned the nervous system. I mean, the context you used was about strength training, but I've been thinking about this a lot recently, just kind of thinking about how my body feels after flexibility in the immediate short term and also like the next day. I'd be interested to hear your perspective on kind of the flexibility and the internal environment. And we'll talk maybe about external environment as well and how it impacts flexibility. So like the first thing with the internal environment is flexibility and recovery status or mm -hmm. the status of the nervous system. How much recovery do you think is needed? And is there a good way for people to kind of tell if they're recovered from the previous session before they get into the next one? Yeah. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head with the side split work, the adductor work. Yeah. So um, when we get into flexibility training, specifically in the lower body, uh, side splits and pancakes and these other targets and positions that attack the groin and areas of the body that we just don't train regularly, which is a good thing because uh, I get that question a lot about like, well, you can't like, not everyone needs to do a side split. It's like, no, no one. I'm not saying that, that everyone needs to do a side split, but you need to train your groin. You need to train the outer range strength of your, your adductors and that plane of motion. No one trains it really well. And there's always issues. It also means that, um, it's going to probably hit, get hit the hardest when you start training flexibility and you start hitting these areas a bit harder than you're used to. So first you'd have to navigate, like, where should that be in the run of a week? Should you start a Monday off with aggressive side split training? Probably not <laughs> you're yeah. spending the rest of the week waddling and trying yeah. to figure out how to like get through one day to the next. Right. So, yeah, you know, it's probably smarter to end the week with, um, some side split work where, you know, you're going to have some time to rest and also assess how your body feels because from one session to the other, it could feel different depending on what you've done previously. So, um, those are the kind of variables you got to think about. Like, are you going to continue to run while you do flexibility training? If so, we don't run after side split work. We don't run after or squat after side split work. Like we, we just think about like the placement of certain things and how we can yeah. recover from them. Um, uh, soreness wise. Yeah. Like how long does it take you to recover? What is the intensity of the session? So this is also 
harder to communicate in flexibility training because with a barbell, you just communicate with the weight on the bar. It's like, okay, yeah. Well, yeah. there's this much weight on for this week, then there's this much weight on for that week and that many sets. So it's just, you know, linear periodization or whatever it is. In flexibility training, we have to be able to determine how the intensity of the session with how we feel. Uh, we can do it with the prescription of like the time under tension and the contractions that we're doing. But again, that's all self-perception as well too. Yeah. So um, if you remember, I was using the RPE chart. Do you remember that? I was yeah. using it for flexibility, but it, yep. like at least gives you an idea of like what should a flexibility set feel like, like rather than, you know, an eight RPE feels like you can finish the set at a good intensity, but it felt like you had like more in you kind of like, at least those kind of messages need to be mm -hmm. communicated and in flexibility training, like any other training, if we're going to learn to peak the intensity, we want to learn to do that on the right exercises and for a period of time, six weeks, 12 weeks, whatever the period of time is, you learn to peak the intensity on certain movements and then actually assess and evaluate your recovery on those things. So internally, um, it's much like any other training stimulus. And but the cool thing about flexibility training is you can use the other, um, modalities of it to recover from sessions. So you can channel into your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, you can't do that with other training modalities. So we can navigate our flexibility training in different ways. I actually like doing uh, light range work after an aggressive day of the same thing. So if today I did some uh, aggressive adductor work tomorrow, I'm actually going to limber through that and just mm. like kind of let the body move and, um, you know, listen to how my body feels Did I push it too hard on one side versus the other and try to, you know, channel into that recovery where that doesn't always work as well with strength work. Like you can't usually right. go, you know, hard on one day and then the next day, like try to go through those, like, all those same movements probably could, but it's just not the same kind of purpose. But yeah, those would be some things, um, to think about. So yeah, deloading, that's important and that should be planned. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as you start saying that stuff and it's topic about flexibility training, people are like, what? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Deloading flexibility. It's like, no, it's, we're, we're actually pushing the intensity. We're looking to do that in certain movements. And that's what people usually do um, wrong. The wrong choice they make is that they just push everything up in flexibility. It's like mm -hmm. three or four movements should go up in intensity. The rest stay the same you know, and then you actually measure your success on that thing. It's just like a squat, you know, you don't really push the intensity on your squat and your leg extensions and your leg curl or whatever. It's just like you push it yeah. on that, you measure your success there. And then there's other variables there that help you, you know, improve upon that. So I think that's probably something that needs to be thought of more and we're, you know, we're on the path of doing that. Yeah. And I, I would say it's, it's definitely hard for someone that's new to flexibility. It's hard to understand when that deload should come. Mm. Um, and that's where it's helpful to have a mentor or coach that kind of can guide you through that, ask you questions based on how you're feeling and mm. how the sessions feel and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard, but it, you're right in that it's very similar to, to strength training in the sense that, you know, a deload will need to come at some point. <laughs> Otherwise it's just, you end up going nowhere. Mm -hmm. Are there other factors around the internal environment that you've seen sway your flexibility in one way or the other? Examples of that would be things like hydration and nutrition status. 
Yeah, like food, like you think about internally, like what happens when we eat, like your, your body's doing something else. Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that goes with most training, like when you eat, it should be timed and planned so that your body can do its internal thing and in digesting the food so that it can then focus on the external um, discipline of whatever the activity is. So same goes with flexibility work. Like I, I always prefer to be somewhat fasted when I do any kind of training. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just, my body just feels better. Like if I eat and, you know, get hard into any kind of training, I usually feel like I'm just not, my energy levels aren't the same and body doesn't feel as good. So I think that would be something to consider is the time of day, um, that you're going to be doing that based on like when you've eaten last and how, you know, how fresh you feel that way. Circadian rhythms could, can play a role. Um, so like how our bodies, you know, depending on the time of day, like how we feel, like, are we carrying a lot of resting tension because we just woke up or have we had time to actually like relax or, or are we all bound up because we were just at a stressful part of our day and mm-hmm. at work or whatever. And then I'm going to stretch now. And it's like, man, you got to chill out first before you start yeah. trying to get into that space. Mm-hmm. So I think those are certainly variables that need to be planned out. Um, I think as a coach, I usually just try to tell people like just help explain that to them so that they can navigate it for themselves because it's hard for me to say like, do it at 5 PM. It's like, right. I, don't know, I don't know what your 5 PM looks like. Mine's crazy. <laughs> I, <don't Yeah>. <laughs> I can't do anything at 5 PM. So, um, I think it's just important to know those things so that you can make those calls for yourself and you can plan like, when is the best time for me to do this versus, you know, given those internal factors. Um, so yeah, those are a couple things probably. Um, have you, uh, had a lot of experiences with the external environment? So, you know, have you done flexibility? I mean, you're in Nova Scotia, so it gets cold there. It's cold. Always cold. Everyone's always always asking me about cold exposure. I'm like, man, I live in Nova Scotia. Yeah. This is the first time I'm not wearing it. Yeah. Um, See, he says toque. Yeah, also, see, I, I was just about to be like, yeah. what did you say? <laughs> Is that like a beanie? Beanie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some places call it a toboggan. Have you heard that? That's a sled. That's yeah. I know, yeah. But in the south, they call it a toboggan, which For makes sense head? because they're confused because they don't have snow down there. So they're just like, they don't know what a toboggan is really in Minnesota. We consider toboggan a sled. Yeah. Um, but I have not heard what is toot toque or toop 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 toop. All right, cool. I'm going to add that to my repertoire <laughs> as I become a... Uh, I was looked at as crazy when I said that when I came over here. When I first came over here. Yeah, was, I could this is that. getting off topic, but... <laughs> there's Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> languages are fun. We have fun here. We do. Um, so, like, external environment. So, stretching uh, more in the cold versus the hot, but also, too, like, not just temperature, but, like, the type of facility or where you're doing your stretching is it at home or is it outside or is it in a gym and then also like music like have you played around with some of those factors um with your flexibility training and if so what were what were some results that you found yeah definitely um well i think it's always best to be warm before i get into flexibility work so um, I always try to do some kind of preparation work before I stretch. So if it's going to be something not high intense, like a jog or what have you, but maybe I'm just doing some stationary movement, like side to side squats or, 
know, elephant walk is another really good, like there's, there's nice like flexibility specific type warmups you can do. So you can think about like, you know, some basic body movements, some flow style stuff. Um, I always try to get warm before I stretch. Uh, so I would be doing so that in those kind of ways. I mean, that's something we're always chasing. Like a lot of people chase cold flexibility because that marks progress. But I mean, train train the way you're going to have the most success in the session. So we definitely should warm up if we're going to be starting to stretch. And mm-hmm. it, a warm up or anything like that gets you in the right mind as well. Like depending, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what session you're in. Like you're giving yourself time to actually think about what you're about to get into. Um, temperature wise, yeah, like usually doesn't go very well if I'm in a cold place <laughs> like your garage <laughs> yeah like if i'm you know really cold it's going to take me a lot longer to get into that you know that space of flexibility that i'm maybe is my best form or shape or whatever so mm-hmm. yeah I, I definitely prefer warmer temperature and if i have to increase the temperature within my body to do so then that's how i'm going to do it yeah uh, music wise definitely um i used to really get into like some deep relaxed sessions with like just some chill music yeah um that you know creating the environment for what it is that you're trying to obtain like if i'm doing splits and things that require a lot of intensity might not be the the chill music but it also might be as well too right because it's it's challenging um the capacity for you to like channel in and focus having no music uh, no music at all and moments of high intensity is a pretty cool challenge like the bulgarian method like they used to ramp up to uh heavy singles without any music or any like no talking or nothing like that was part of it was like like you had to do it in such a way where it was like a normal everyday thing there's no distractions there's no hype it's just like being a farmer right like yeah you know kind of training in that everyday kind of scenario so yeah like it's cool to experiment with these things but it's it's even more beneficial, I think, to challenge yourself to not depend on them either. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, to be in a space without a phone, to not have a podcast on, to actually just be in silence and listen to your heartbeat. Like, <laughs> when, when, when do we do that? Never. <laughs> yeah. Never. Never agree. these days. Yeah. That's going full monk right there, as you were saying. <laughs> yeah, man. And that's, have you I tried mean, a side split session to heavy metal? Oh, always. Yeah. yeah, man. I've done that a lot. Like, I've put on some crazy tunes and just like friggin' rip my groin to shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to do both. It's fun to do yeah. both. But picking back, a piggying back off this external environment with in terms of facility. So oh, here in San Francisco, we were greatly affected by like the pandemic dur- during that time, especially with like not being able to be mm, yeah. in the gym space or things like that. How has that uh, changed or has that changed in your setting, especially working with clients and, and things and taking out the human or the coaching element in being in that space? Hmm. If, if that has on your side. Yeah. I haven't really done one-to-one in-person stuff for a long time. So oh, okay. <laughs> most I'm of your kinda, work is with people online, correct? Yeah. It's all online yeah. now, but I am definitely burnt out from zoom. Like, I got oh, the yeah. zoom the zoom burnout going on yeah. for sure because i'm on the computer all the time so um i mean that kind of environment is you know yeah i feel like nowadays we have to a lot of us have lost a routine that we had 
you know? So now we have to think about things like getting up and going for a walk around the block because it used to be that you got up and you went to work and, you know, a lot lot of people are working from home now. So they're just kind of laying around their house all day, even though they're getting work done. But, you know, when you're at work, you're up and you're going from one thing to the next, or you go for a walk from here to there, from your car to work or whatever. And, uh, now it's like, we've got to actually think about that as like, why do I feel like a piece of shit right now? It's like, I haven't gotten up and <laughs> moved around. So, yeah. um, I've definitely had, even though I plan times to train just like throughout the day, I plan just times of getting up, going through a light limbering movement, um, we'll walk around the block just to clear your headspace and kind of get back into it. So yeah, I think that kind of environment might be the environment we're speaking of nowadays, right? It's like yeah. trying to give yourself those, I guess, new routines and create those new habits that we need. Yeah. We actually need to be up. We need to be doing something rather than just sitting on the computer and, you know, going to the couch and then back to the computer. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you say walk around the block, you mean snowshoe around the block. Snowshoe, right? yeah. Yes. That's how you get around. <laughs> <laughs> that actually made me think of another thing. I know that we did the live Sunday uh, flexibility sessions. Have you done a lot of in-person group flexibility sessions? And if you have, what was your experience with that? Did that positively affect how you performed or the people in the group performed? Can you shed some light on that? Like live in person? Yeah, like live in person or, you know, like do you feel there could be benefits to group flexibility sessions because it's Mm -hmm. you know i know flexibility can a lot of times be pretty internal but do you think there's benefit from like doing it with other people yeah for sure like if you can learn to understand um, the benefits of partner stretching that could be one role that comes together really nice in those settings like learning how to actually um partner partner stretch in certain positions and kind of leverage each other that way um again if you do understand the targets that we're working towards and the outcomes of a session, then it can very much still be gamified around those kind of things. And we can, you know, build sessions that people can feed off each other with. Um, so yeah, I did do a lot of that with the military before I left there, we were doing a lot of flexibility work. Um, I was getting them excited about loaded range stuff was always the most exciting for people. Mm -hmm. It just felt badass. But <laughs> you just got to find a way to present. It's like, you know, the same as CrossFit. You know, when people come in and they want to, I want to do what I saw on TV. You want to do 100 clean right. jerks. It's like, okay, well, we're going to start with an empty bar or a dowel. Yeah, let's um, start with an air squat. <laughs> Can yeah. you do that? Can you do that? Can you do an overhead squat? Right. Yeah. So I think, it's, I think it's important to have people excited about like a Jefferson curl or, yeah. you know, like. Uh, I saw that 185 Jefferson curl. That was good. Yeah. Like it's important. Yeah. That, it's important to be excited about those things, but to know like if you're coming in, it's like, okay, we're going to start with understanding a pike. We're going to understand a stretch. We're going to introduce it with a dowel and, you know, navigate a session that way. So I think, yeah, you, you could hype up a, a crowd live. Uh, like if they know the session is being built around something really cool like that, really like going to a handstand class. It's like, you're not probably going to do a handstand, but you're at a handstand class. It's cool. Yeah. You just stretch the wrists do some core work I did a handstand class you know it's kind of same thing if you're doing a flexibility class like we're doing side splits it's like stretch the groin you know stretch the piriformis do some weighted butterfly 
it's like yeah i do a size blue class it's like yeah. get yourself some horse stance yeah yeah so he's yeah ways to i think we gotta find better ways to get people excited about flexibility work and that's the same way we get people excited about any other kind of uh live class that they go to right yeah yeah to kind of wrap things up if you had someone come to you that had no flexibility experience or very little and they wanted to get into it what would be your recommendation of how they could start low-hanging fruit i suppose (laughs) yeah like if i was working with them one-on-one i would measure their current ability to even stretch or even just you know fitness wise Uh, i think that's important um but if it was just like a like a a one-off recommendation um i think it it would be a matter of probably introducing them to a few things that lead to some kind of bigger outcome because that, that'll be the low hanging fruit to kind of I'll, spark their interest and yeah. more. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you a few things that would eventually lead to a front split. Yeah. So if I show you a long lunge, which is an entry point for anybody and you're like, yeah, you're training front split. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably going to, they're going <laughs> to, there, there you go. They're going to have some mind, mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, that's the thing is to present something that they'd be working towards. So it was a cross bench pullover and you're like, yeah, it could lead to a bridge someday. It's like, holy shit. You know, they, they start asking more questions and yeah. And they're hooked. They're hooked. They're, hooked. they're in. It's easy to get hooked. Yeah. Once you get it, once you get a taste, oh, yeah. <laughs> once you get a taste of the good life. Yeah. Lucas, anything you want to shout out here? This is your, these are a few moments. You have your YouTube channel. I know that you have your podcast. Yep. You have your program. Yeah, where can people find you? Where can we, where can we gather all this information? Yeah, like my biggest uh, social media platform is Instagram. So at Range of Strength. Um, at the end of this month, I'll have a new membership and website launched. And that will hopefully be the one-stop shop. Well, it will be. It's just I got to push everyone there. So <laughs> anyone listening can you know, wait for that. That'll be live soon. Sounds good. And we can link you there too. Uh we have to say thank you for taking the time. I mean, this, this is, is excellent. This, this is very I mean, this uh, is insightful. Yeah. I mean, similar to Jeff, like, you know, I think uh, Michael and I went through that conversation and by the end of it, we were just uh, jaws hanging on the floor. You know, we're just like, <laughs> holy shit. I think that flexibility and fitness is uh, a new frontier, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that we don't know about it yes um, which is what i think for me makes it very very exciting yeah Um, and there's a lot for me individually to explore about it so i mean this conversation was incredibly insightful and we're very appreciative of you taking the time uh, to share your knowledge with us and our listeners blessing us with all the knowledge even though you have a maple leafs flag on the (laughs) (laughs) we'll let that slide yeah i'll take that down (laughs) (laughs) but thank you again lucas much appreciated we enjoyed it and i'm sure our listeners are also going to enjoy everything we've uh learned here today i know i'm going to take a few things out of this for sure i like i said i'm new here so i'm still getting finding my ring awesome (laughs) you've earned your stripes also he did taekwondo when he was a a little kala and uh this, this guy's got some great lateral hip movement yeah um, one time in the gym, we had a strap that was hanging from the ceiling. Oh, no. I always tell this story. 
And I asked him, he hasn't practiced Taekwondo in how long? Like 10 years. Yeah. So I said, <laughs> Hey dude, like, do you think you could spinning back kick this? And it was like, um, so I'm six, three, it was, uh, a little bit above my head and without hesitation, he got into his stance and just went for it, which is not what I expecting or what I expected. <laughs> um, he got really close, like probably an inch away, but, uh, what happened is his kick was so powerful that he ended up falling flat on his back. Crashing and burning. <laughs> Take a nice little back bump super, on her. Super on her hard floor. fall. <laughs> and I immediately started cracking up. It was... I didn't even ask if he was okay, which is probably I'm a dick, but you know, he ended up being fine. We were okay. Groin was a little sore the next day, but yeah. uh, actually not as bad as I thought. Which yeah. Is good. Yeah. You did well. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think mean, that's it. Tagline. With that, Avoid the bullshit. Avoid the bullshit. <laughs> that's our little Thanks, tagline. That we, is, that's our that thing. With. That's yeah. good. Thank you very much, Lucas. Appreciate that. Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. Absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan. That is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y. B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.